and welcome to our webinar today. My name is Lindsay Wolfsmith, and we are going to be covering 11 must-ask questions before buying a franchise. Um, as we get, just before we get started, just want to kind of give you a quick background to myself. My name is Lindsay Wolfsmith. As I said, I'm based in Chicago. Um, I had a, a very successful career as a management consultant and really enjoyed many aspects of my work. Um, but work-life balance in consulting really seemed to be a case of uh, work now, life later. And um, I realized that I was unlikely to su succeed in achieving the balance that I desired while working for someone else. So somebody actually suggested franchising to me, and honestly, initially, it really wasn't that appealing. But I realized after a while that I owed it to myself to look at all of the options. Ultimately, I found a business that enabled me to leverage my transferable skills while giving me the balance that I needed. All right, that's the admin stuff out of the way. Um, let's just kind of uh, refocus on the goal of today. Okay, so um, a good analogy. Uh, for today's goal really came from a former colleague of ours, Joe Matthews. Um, he's the author of a book called Street Smart Franchising. And he says that starting a business can be an emotional roller coaster. Um, so as the roller coaster approaches the top of the hill, um, you, you know there's a big drop coming. Um, you may have a hard time seeing past that big drop to you know, what else is going to happen along the ride. Um, and this anticipation can be both, both exciting but also a little bit frightful. When the ride is finished, however, uh, as you uh, relish in that speed and uh, the, the twists and the turns, you're likely to be happy that you took the ride. Today, what we plan to do is help you to uh, get a sense of what it takes um, to become a successful franchisee, um, but also understanding some of the things that you look, need to look out for. So it's not always a smooth road, um, but there are some things that you really need to understand. In, in, in particular, not just to understand if it's a good franchise, but if it's, a, if it's the right franchise for you. Um, in terms of hitting all of that, we're going to be talking briefly about understanding franchising. We're going to look at the numbers, talk about what to expect, how to vet a franchise, um, and talk about how we can help you, and then we'll hand it over to the audience and uh, for some Q&A. Now, before we get into that, I just want to do a quick poll. We do use polls a little bit here in our webinars, and want to just make sure uh, that, our, first of all, that everybody has access to the technology. Um, so I'm going to kick off with a simple one. Um, what motivated you to attend today's webinar? Are you just curious? Have you recently started looking at franchises? Um, have you been uh, looking at several options in depth? Or um, do you really like a specific franchise? Just give us a sense also of where you're at so that we can make sure that as we're going through the content, we have the ability to really make sure that we um, uh, tweak how, what we're talking about to, to be a good fit for you. I'll just wait for a couple more seconds to give a couple more people a chance to vote. Okay, looks like we've got some pretty good participation here. So I'll just share the results, but um, uh, we've got quite a lot of people that are curious, um, and we have a, a number of people also that have been looking at several options, but also some that are very being very specific. So it um, looks like um, Marcy, who's my co-host, I'll introduce here shortly, 
Marcy, it looks like we're going to have to cover the spectrum to make sure that we uh, capture everybody. Okay, well thanks so much for that. Um, before I head on, I just want to give you a quick introduction. Marcy and I are hosting today, but we also uh, ha work with a couple of other colleagues. Um, Suzanne is one of those folks um, and uh, wanted to welcome those of you who had heard about the webinar through Suzanne. Um, she's been a TES coach since 2005 um, and has been the recipient of many awards for her work, including Client of the Year and Outstanding Leadership. Um, this evening, she's unable to join us, but does send her regards and looks forward to speaking to you at a later time. Okay, so let's dig in and talk about what is franchising. So franchising, first of all, you know, it's not a business or an industry, um, uh, it, but it is a method and a way for businesses to grow and develop and a way for products and services to be distributed to consumers by utilizing a network of local uh, operators. Uh, one of the things that many people have as a um, misconception about franchising is uh, either that uh, it's, it's all big corporations um, and don't realize that actually everybody is an individual business owner. Um, and, and the other misconception is, is a lot of people think that the franchisor tells you you're basically managing the business for them. And that's not the case. You very much are an owner. Um, you're, as a franchisee, you are paying for the right to do business under the shared brand. Um, uh, you do have ways uh, of operating the business that you need to comply with, um, but that doesn't require you, you know, you're not just basically a manager for them. Um, the franchisors in return will provide significant initial and ongoing training and support. Uh, and there's a few brands that we've put here on this slide. Some you'll recognize, some you won't. Um, and uh, if I click onto the next slide, you're going to see that there are actually uh, a lot of different uh, types of franchises. So this is, this is uh, always one of my favorite slides. Um, because most people, when we mention and talk about franchising, um, are going to instantly think of fast food. And franchising really isn't just about burgers and subs. It's about an awful lot more. Um, as you can see, there are lots of different categories. Um, and in fact, the estimates are that there are over 6,000 franchi franchises in over 75 different industries. The other thing that's kind of another dynamic to this, and it's, it's a little difficult to show on this slide, but there is also a lot of different types of models. So on that last bullet, we're talking about home, vehicle, office, and industri industrial and retail-based. Most of the time when we think franchising, we think about that retail-based. Um, but there, there is an awful lot more. Talking of an awful lot more, there's also something else to consider when you're thinking about using franchising in order to develop um, your, your equity, your legacy. Um, and what I want to, to show really with this slide is that a lot of people initially will be thinking about a single unit when they're thinking about franchise ownership. Um, and there are opportunities to really sum depending on what your personal goals are. So you can just invest in a single unit and work perhaps in that unit or as a semi-absentee owner. 
Um, you can also actually grow that to multiple units and have managers in place. Some offer um, co-branding opportunities, so um, you know, Baskin Robbins and Dunkin' Donuts is a classic, just to use something that people are more familiar with. But something that some, a lot of people aren't as familiar with is a master or a regional developer. Um, and that's something that uh, Marcy or I or, or any of the coaches would be happy to explain to you in more detail, but it really provides you the opportunity to grow your business uh, in, in a very different way. Okay. Well, that's the background that I wanted to cover around franchising. I would encourage you, if you do have other questions around franchising, to start jotting them down in the questions panel, and we can come back to that later. But I did want to get into these 11 questions that you must ask before buying a franchise. OK. Um, I get this question quite a bit. Uh, you know, What does a franchise offer that I can't do on my own? Um, and I think this is a really important question to talk through um, because you need to make sure that you're getting value for your initial investment. So let's talk about what fuels franchising. Um, there's a proven operating system, i.e. something that has been tried, tested, perfected, and is being continued to be honed and worked on. Um, there's training, so uh, you know, franchising is somewhat counterintuitive in terms of you don't always need to, uh, to be uh, an expert in a particular industry because you do get a lot of training. Preferably, you're going to be getting the ongoing support. Something that a lot of people think about, um, or, or don't think about, sorry, is the fact that you get this purchasing power. So if you have certain things that you need to purchase within your business, you would have to pay a single uh, business rate for that. Whereas if you're part of a franchise and there are many units that are all buying some things um, and your supplies for that business, you put yourself in a position where you can take advantage of those um, economies of scale. Um, you get the benefit from other franchisees. Today is a classic example of franchisees collaborating and joining together to help each other. Um, you know, Marcy and I are franchisees of the same system, and um, that's something that uh, we can we, we are able to help each other with. Also, you're able to, ha and you should, have a win-win relationship between yourself and the franchisor. So they should be looking to help you grow and succeed. And through your, your growth and success, you should be helping them to grow and succeed. So some key things to make a note of. Um, and I will mention, by the way, there's, you know, there is a lot of content in these slides. Um, and we will send out um, a copy of the recording once we're done. So if you're rapidly scribbling down, uh, we will be sending that over. OK. Um, so how do you know if franchising is right for you? Um, I mentioned just now that franchising is counterintuitive. So many franchises don't require industry experience. And in fact, some of them will actually prefer that you do not have industry experience. That way, they're actually going to be able to train you more effectively in their way of doing things, which is going to help you to be more successful. Um, franchisors are going to want uh, you know, the franchisees to, to market and manage the business. And when I say no technicians, what I'm talking about here is um, a lot of franchises are Let's, let's talk about a handyman service. 
are going to uh, attract perhaps people who are handy. Um, and reality is that the role of the franchisee needs to be on marketing and managing and not actually doing those services. Um, although having an understanding of that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but not a requirement. Um, and the other question you really need to ask yourself is, are you willing to accept that there's no such thing as a perfect business? You know, we're obviously going through a number of key questions that you, you uh, should be asking, but there isn't a perfect business. And if you can come to terms with that, uh, then you know, franchising and business ownership in general um, may well be um, you know, something you should consider. You also, um, you know, talking about the right mindset, also need to be thinking about a commit, the commitment level that you're making. Typically, you're going to be signing, signing an agreement. Um, and you know, not just are you signing an agreement, but you're also going to be building and developing a business. Um, and most people are aware that typically um, businesses don't just sprout up out of nowhere and become a gold mine instantly. Um, they do require a lot of work um, and a lot of dedication and, and quite often a little bit of time to make that happen. So you know, check yourself on that. Are you willing to make that time investment? Are your goals consistent with business ownership? So are you willing to, to do all of these things to uh, have that trade-off between freedom and control in the steady paycheck? Um, and can you leverage the benefits of the franchisee's proven system? This one's probably especially important. Um, you really, if you're investing in the system, one of the things I mentioned about the benefits of being involved in a franchise is that proven system. If you're not going to follow it, and perhaps you're a bit of a maverick, it might not be the best investment for you. So uh, really check yourself on that one. Um, one of the things you really should be understanding is what makes, makes franchises fail. Um, and a couple things to think about here. Um, first of all, businesses fail um, and franchises fail. Even McDonald's have failures. Um, what you should be aware of is that when you're considering a franchise, um, you are most likely to have less of a, uh, an issue when it comes to uh, a failure than if it was an independent business. So what this chart is showing is that in seven years, um, just about, well, just a little over 80% of businesses that are independent have gone out of business um, uh, versus uh, just about, well, about 85% of uh, franchise businesses are still in business, actually nearly 90%. So you know, they, there, is, there are failures. What you want to understand is on each level and on each example, what is the reason for failure? Some of those things that I just covered on the previous slide in terms of is franchising a fit for you are quite likely to be some of those things, uh, some of those reasons why folks have failed. They're not exclusively, but a lot of it is to do with the individual as opposed to the system. Um, I believe that the next question is going to be very important to most most people that are on the line, whether you're considering starting something and just kind of curious, or whether you're a lot further down the line, you really want to understand what your true costs are. Um, total initial investment 
in a franchise can really vary depending very much on the business uh, and the type of model that you're investing in. As you can see, it really does run the gamut. However, there is a bit of a formula in terms of calculating your total initial investment. Um, there's really three buckets that I recommend that you look at so you can understand your true cost. The first is startup costs. Um, and this should incorporate the price tag of the business or the franchise fee. Um, um, you might check your screen. Mine shows that the um, it stopped. Oh, really? On the last page, the sample industries, it stopped and there we go. Now it moved. Okay. Maybe it's just a little glitch on the internet. Thanks, Marcy. Um, I'll keep an eye because it does show me actually when, what people can see. Um, so startup costs. So the, the, uh, if you're buying an existing business or a, uh, or what have you, or a franchise fee is going to be a large part of that. You've also got your costs associated with training, your pre-marketing, any property, equipment, all of those things, and physical uh, location. Probably a large area for your initial startup cost is going to be your leasehold improvements. The second big bucket is going to be your working capital until you get to break even. Um, I can't tell you what that would look like. That's going to be very specific to the model. Um, but there are going to be ways that you'll be able to um, validate that. Uh, it's going to include your marketing, office, um, you know, your utilities. Don't forget payroll and taxes, as you know, a lot of people are. Um, were employees, um, we sometimes forget that we have those um, payroll taxes and things like that to pay. Um, any payments for any loans, whether that be on vehicles um, or a regular loan, and a, a rent or lease payment. And then the final bucket, which I think a lot of people um, perhaps accidentally leave off when it comes to putting their pro forma together, is your household budget needs. Um, and I, I think this is particularly important because you, know, you do need to continue to maintain a standard of living and pay your bills until you get not just to break even, but to the point where your income from the business covers your costs um, and enables you to pay yourself sufficiently in order to do that. Um, and I would hazard a guess that this is one of the reasons um, missing that bucket off is one of the reasons why quite a few businesses will go under and, and will fail. Um, so if you work on those three and to develop your performa, you'll be heading in the right direction. Um, I think the other question around true costs is really covering what's in a franchise fee. Um, so when you pay a franchise fee, um, you're going to be able to get up and running a lot quicker um, because the franchisor has done, done that and helped many people do that many times before. Um, typically, they're going to have tried all the different ways of doing it and will share what works with you so that you'll have the opportunity to save money. Um, they may well know of the resources other franchisees have used in order to do things more efficiently, more cost-effectively. Um, or you know, organizations that provided reduced prices because you're using their services. Um, you won't have to research everything, um, all of the location, logos, pre-opening, marketing, advertising activities that work best um, have all been figured out, um, as well as you know, the brochures, the business cards, any licensing requirements, software needed, 
all, all of that kind of stuff and it, kind of the back office has been really figured out for you. Also, what you'll typically find is once you open your business, you'll get to positive cash flow um, more quickly than if you'd started an independent business and will have a greater chance of success because of all the support. The question that you have to ask yourself is how much is that worth to you um, and does that make the franchise fee make sense? Okay. Um, so we know how much the true cost is, or you figured all of that out. The next question logically is, you know, so okay, where do I find the funding? And I'd like to do a quick poll here. Um, I'd like to ask you what proportion of startup businesses typically are funded using an SBA loan? And we have a few different percentages here, 52%. 27%, 4%, and 1%. And I'll just give you a few seconds. Okay, I can see people weighing in. Let's uh, close that and share it. Okay. So vast majority of people are in sort of the 27 to 4%. Um, actually, uh, about 14% of you got that answer correct, um, which is a bit of a misnomer because 52 and 1%, which is the top and bottom, uh, came in as 52. But in actual fact, um, startup businesses um, for SBA loans um, typically is around 1%. Um, it, it can be uh, rather difficult, um, although not impossible. I do have clients who have got SBA-backed uh, loans uh, for their initial business, but uh, it's, it's just not as commonplace as perhaps you might think. So where do the small businesses get their startup capital? Um, these days, it's typically going to be a combination of these things, in fact. Um, the personal and family savings is typically the highest. Um, uh, I'm seeing a lot more clients leverage um, credit cards, um, and that sounds a little scary, but there are actually some, um, some companies out there who can help you do that um, in a very constructive way. Um, and when it comes to personal and family savings, a lot of our clients um, will leverage their 401k, um, and that's something I can talk about here, here now in terms of, okay, let's dig into a little bit in some of these financing options. So the self-funding, um, there's a 401k rollover or an IRA rollover, in fact, um, either, um, uh, which enables you to basically invest in your own business. Um, less so these days, but we still do see um, some people using a home equity line of credit, um, perhaps some current savings and investments, and also friends and family. Um, friends and family is something that I would encourage people to think about. Um, because we do find that uh, you, you know there are opportunities to help your, yourself and also help your friends and family to perhaps earn a higher rate of interest than they would by keeping cash in the bank. When it comes to loans, um, there are a number of different loans and different types of programs. Quite a few companies that we're seeing that are getting into the market of specializing in franchises probably based on some of those uh, success rates that I was showing you earlier. Um, they're definitely a safer bet. 
Um, and you'll often actually see some franchisors providing a level of franchising, uh, sorry, franchising financing um, to uh, help uh, their existing or new franchisees to get into the business. So um, lots of different options. Um, I, again, we can go into any of these in more detail, but I wanted to make sure that we got to all of your questions. And actually, at this point, I'd like to hand over to Marcy so she can take us through the other options and the other questions. OK. Thank you, Lindsay. I am Marcy Olinger, and I also had a great corporate career. I learned a lot, and, and probably most importantly was that I did not want to be there forever. I always wanted to have my own business. And about a little over nine years ago, I got that illustrious pink slip and realized, okay, now's the time. Get out there and find out what it is that you want to do. And ended up starting the Entrepreneur Source. And nine years later, I'm still very happy that I did and really don't miss that corporate thing. So some of us are just not meant for corporate. And I think that I have found my niche. Um, a second or a fourth person that usually is on our webinar calls is Isabel Estes. And Isabel, I'd like to welcome the guests that are here because they know Isabel. Isabel is a self-employment coach that's based in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and is currently in the middle of a 12-hour drive taking her daughters to a competitive softball tournament. But she will join us on Thursday's webinar. And she, too, is looking forward to answering your questions at a later time. So next question, what should I expect when I start talking to a franchise? And there are lots of things here. It really is a franchise investigation process. So typically, what the franchisers are going to take you through is first a qualification. They want to see, do you meet the minimum qualifications as well as the minimum net worth requirement, which is different for each franchise and each system. And once they've identified that, they will schedule that initial interview with you. And in the initial interview, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to allow you to ask them questions. They're going to kind of give you their spiel, who they are, what they do, what their industry is, who their competition is, what they're looking for in good franchisees. And remember, this is an interview process. They are interviewing you to see if you are the type of person that they feel would be a good candidate to be a franchisee. You are interviewing them to find out if their systems meet what your requirements are as far as making it a good franchise for you. So you kind of want to put your best foot forward, but at the same time, you want to ask those very vital, important questions. Next, if, if everything goes well through that initial conversation, and it may take two or three conversations to get through that, then they're going to open it up and review the franchise disclosure document. So, um, Lindsay, could you actually back up? There were a couple of other things on there that sorry, sorry. that's all right. The, uh, we're going to get in, obviously, we're going to get into more detail on the franchise disclosure document and what you need to look for there. But then, assuming everything still goes well, you actually get into the franchisee validation. And this is the heart of the process. And actually, we'll get into more detail about that in a couple of slides as well. But if things are still going well, then they're going to enter or in, invite you to their discovery day. And discovery day kind of reminds me of in The Wizard of Oz when they went to the actual Oz and pulled back the curtain to see who was behind the curtain. 
at Discovery Day, you get a chance to meet the management team. Who is running this franchise? If you were to become a franchisee, who would actually be supporting you? So it's a really important step. It's also kind of their last step in determining your validity as a candidate. And so this is typically when they're going to be making their final decision as to whether to make that offer to you of a franchise unit or not. So you certainly want to put your best foot forward at Discovery Day. And then it, at some point after Discovery Day, they will either make an offer to you of a franchise or they will say, hey, I'm sorry, but the more we've looked into it, we don't think this is a very good fit at this time. So that's kind of what is involved in the validation process. Now let's get into the franchise disclosure document. So when you look at a franchise disclosure document, which is a very legal document, there's lots of pages in there, a lot of information that you're probably not too interested in. It is covering the backside of the franchisor, so keep that in mind. Um, we'd like to take another poll here and ask you how many of you have ever seen a franchise disclosure document, or FDD as it's thought of in the industry. So you just have two options here, either yes or no. If you could vote on that really quickly, then we'll go on and talk about the franchise disclosure document in a little bit more detail. And it looks like most of you have not, although many of you have. So that, that's a great thing. And, and you can probably attest to the fact that, wow, wish I didn't have to read that document. Um, but certainly is something that contains a lot of very important information that you're going to want to look at. So in the franchise disclosure document, one of the things that's going to be included is any kind of litigation that that franchisor has been through and can be very important information. Um, it's not unusual for a franchisor to have been through litigation, but it certainly is a heads up and you want to know what happened to any kind of litigation that they've been in. Also the contract. So if you were going to sign an agreement with that franchisor, you're going to see that through the FDD. And probably one of the, the greatest things you'll see is a list of franchisees. Now, it's great to know who all their franchisees are and where they're located, but you'll also see a, a list of those franchisees who have left the system. So that can be very important information as well. And one of the things we don't have listed here is that you will actually see a breakdown of the expenses that are required to start a specific franchise unit with that franchisor. So that can be very helpful information. Next question, how do you know the franchise will work in your market? Wow, is this a great question. And you know, if you're starting a business, you have to do research. You have to find out would that work in your market. Same thing if you were thinking about buying a franchise. but you have the strength and the wisdom of the franchisor to help you when you're actually looking at a franchisor. They know their demographics that are important to their system. Uh, for instance, an example would be if it was a pet service type franchise, they would know how many dogs there were by zip code. Well, that might be hard for you to find as an individual. So many times those franchisors will have access to very specific information related to their business and they also may have access to databases that would cost too much for you to be able to access individually. And so there's a lot of good information there you can get from the franchisor. But remember, this is your business. You don't just take their word for it. You need to do your own research. 
So get out there and find out who else is in the, in the same business. Who is your competition? You may even um, act as a customer with some of your competitors to check out what is their customer experience and give you an idea of what you're up against. And definitely want to trust your entrepreneurial instinct, but get out there and do the footwork to find out if it really will work in your market. Next question, how do I recognize a good franchise? And oh, if it were all that easy, we would all be with the best franchisers and many people would not be with the franchises that they're with. So I think this is probably one of the most important reasons why you want to work with a coach is somebody that can help you to understand and compare different franchise systems. And what is a best fit for you might be totally different than a best fit for me. So it's important to know what your goals are. Um, but what you want to do with the franchisees is get into the day-to-day. -day. What's their typical day look like? What did they do before they got started in this business? Um, would they do it all over again? What would they do differently? And think of it as an opportunity to talk to a small business owner. And what a great opportunity that is. If any of you have tried to write a business plan on an independent business model, you realize that it's very hard to get somebody that will talk to you because they think of you as comp competition. And in a franchise system, you don't have that issue because the other franchisees don't look at you as competition. They know they have a territory and you're not going to embark in that territory. So these are great sample questions that you want to think of when you're talking to those franchisees. You also want to be able to grade the franchisor. So what's involved with your franchisor? Look at a high level of competencies in the areas listed here. Know what their vision and their strategy is. Know what their culture is. Do they stand for the same kind of things that are important to you? Um, this is a, a hugely important piece of choosing whether franchising is right for you and whether a franchisor is the right fit for you. You have to know if there's a fit between you and that franchisor. They're trying to figure that out when they're interviewing you, but it's really on your shoulders to figure out, is this the kind of franchisor that's going to support me? And those are great questions to ask other franchisees that have been in the system for a while. Not only did they help them get started when they first started the franchise, but are they still supporting them five, six, seven, ten years later and giving them the kind of help and support they need to continue to make their business, businesses successful? Next question, how many franchisees should I talk to? You know, this is really um, an important question, and it's a hard thing for me to get my clients to understand is how important these franchisee interviews are. So it really kind of depends on you and your makeup. What, how many people do you feel comfortable talking to? But let's face it, guys, if you have an opportunity to small, talk to small business owners, you want to talk to a lot of them. One or two is not going to do it. You may just happen to call the worst franchisee in the system who's never been happy with the franchise, who's never followed the system, and has performed poorly. Whereas you may get hold of somebody who has just came in and was a rock star. So you need to be able to compare the different ones. And when you start talking to the franchisees, realize that just because they own a franchise does not mean that they're necessarily a good business person. 
So interview them to find out what kind of business person they are and then focus on the areas that they're strongest in. Ask them as many questions as you can in those areas. Don't harp on the questions that they can't answer. Next question, how much money can I make? Wow, I, you know, I've never had any clients ask that question. <laughs> no, seriously not true. Definitely everybody wants to know how much money you can make, and there are ways of finding that out. However, asking your coach is not going to get you the answer. Asking the franchisor, in most cases, is not going to get you that answer. So where you're going to get that answer is from the franchisees. And they are the ones that you would want to get it from anyway. The reason the franchisors don't answer that question is because legally they cannot tell you how much money you can make unless they have an item 19 or an earnings claim in their franchise disclosure document. Only about 20% of franchisors have an item 19 in their FDD, so don't expect to see that in every one. But definitely ask the franchisees, and you want to do that in business plan terms. So think about what is their projection of gross sales and expenses, and did they meet or exceed their projections? How long did it take them to start making money? Uh, what, you know, when they did start making money, did they have to put any more money into the business after that, or did it start covering the expenses after a certain month? Was everything fine from there? So, Again, don't just take one person's word for it. You want to talk to multiple franchisees in order to get the information for the financials. Okay, that covers our 11 questions that we had listed. Uh, one thing that we wanted to explain to you is how we work with you. The first thing that we want to do is that we want to understand who you are and that we're going to ask you a lot of questions. And these are questions that you need to ask yourself. So while we're doing it for our knowledge, we're also doing it for you to help you to identify really what's important to you. How are you going to know when a franchise is a good fit so that you're not making an emotional decision? We want you to make a very fact-based or data-based decision. So we want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us and make sure that we work well together. And then we're going to help you to, to clarify what are your goals, what's important to you. We are going to do some assessments, and we're going to take all of that information and create a possibilities profile with all of your information, and then go out and do research against hundreds of franchises and come back to you with business models that we feel have the potential of meeting your goals. And then we're going to help you to research and validate those franchises. So it is, as we mentioned in a lot of the questions today, that franchisor validation is very important and we want to make sure that you get the most out of that validation experience. So we're going to help you with that, stay with you through that validation process, and help you compare the models. It's important not to just look at one franchise, because while it may seem to be the best thing since sliced bread, if you had something to compare it to, it may not really be that good. So we're there to help you as a sounding board and an objective third party. We're not trying to sell you anything. Uh, we're not going to push you toward one thing. We are never going to say, here's the franchise you need to do. That's up to you, and that's your decision. The Entrepreneur Source is a little bit about who the Entrepreneur Source is. Um, Suzanne, Lindsay, Isabel, and myself are all actually franchisees of the Entrepreneur Source, which is a national business coaching franchise, and we have over 250 offices in the U.S. and abroad. 
we provide obviously the self-employment but also business coaching for people who are exploring business ownership and help our clients clarify those goals as they're trying to look at business ownership as a vehicle to meet those goals. So let's move on to more questions. Um, we've had some questions submitted during the presentation, so we'll take a couple of those questions. If any of you have additional questions, this is a great time to submit them. So if you would just go in on that questions pane and to them. Okay, first question that we have is um, how do you check out the strength of a franchisor? Lindsay, you want to cover that one? Uh, absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm assuming by the strength that that person is meaning, um, you know, are they a good franchisor or not? And coming back to what Marcy was talking about, really the, the best way to do that is to really speak to the franchisees themselves. Um, uh, there are certain things that you can look for. Um, so for example, uh, I always recommend that when you're looking at the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, that you kind of take a, take a look, especially if the franchise is a little bit newer, which isn't necessarily bad, by the way. It's just different. Um, but uh, take a look and see who um, the key players are in that organization, who are the principals. What you're going to want to look for in that situation is a combination of industry experience in that particular industry that the franchise is in, and also, and a lot of people overlook this, but franchise development experience. So you want an organization that really understands how to build and grow a franchise because it is quite different from building and growing uh, your own independent business. Um, and it's a, it's a different skill set. So you want to make sure that there's some experience there so that if they're planning on ramping up fairly quickly, you know that you're going to get the support and infrastructure that you need. Um, and then again, beyond that, check with current franchisees and go through all the, all the things that Marcy talked about. You know, don't just talk to one person who is either, either seems to be a rock star or who seems to be really down on it. Get a cross-section and really look to understand what's behind those individuals. So when you ask about what they did for a living, when you're talking to them, get a sense of who they are as a person and how they correlate to you. Anything to add to that, Marcy? Actually, uh, believe it or not, I do have one other thing that you might want to look at is in the financials, um, there are financials in the franchise disclosure document, and I didn't mention this. Um, they're corporate financials. So look at their corporate financials. Uh, at, we talked about the item 19, which would show an individual unit, and typically an item 19 is based on an, a corporate-owned location that is run as a franchise. So that'll give you an idea as far as what you can get. But there also will be a breakdown of the financials for the franchisor. So you want to look for a strength there from a, a financial perspective. Next question, how do you find banks that offer SBA loans? And this is a great question. We mentioned that only about 1% of startup businesses are actually funded through SBA loans. And as Lindsay mentioned, they are available. But you have to do your homework. You have to have the right fit with the banker, and you have to make sure that you fill out the documentation the way they need it. It certainly adds paperwork to put that layer of the SBA financing on top of it, but it doesn't mean that, you can't be, that they can't be had. Some franchisors actually are SBA lender qualified. 
So that means they've already had a franchisee that went through the SBA qualification process and was granted a loan, an SBA loan, for that franchise system. Some franchises are actually better suited for SBA lending, and therefore you want to know that, and that's information that you can get from the franchisor or individual franchisees. So as far as how do you find banks that offer SBA loans, if you go out to the SBA website, sba.gov, there will be a listing there of banks that offer SBA loans, and that would be a big help. I would say, first of all, though, before you jumped into an SBA loan, you would want to go to your local regional type banker. Uh, national banks are very, very hesitant to do any kind of startup funding, but your regional banks are going to take a little bit more risk there. And see if you can get a conventional bank loan without that SBA guarantee. So remember the SBA loan is not through the government, it's through a bank. It just has an additional layer of quote-unquote protection from the government and then that they guarantee that loan, which yeah. certainly means government regulations and more paperwork. Lindsay? Yeah, Mark, I was just going to just say also there are some uh, companies that will help you to prepare your SBA loan packet. Um, and I think they may. I, I think they may help you to identify potential lending sources. They definitely help you prepare because the, the more tight your packet is when it's submitted, um, the more chance you have of getting approved. Okay. Um, we also have a question that was submitted that says, um, "Could you put up a list for franchise lending companies and funding for women?" I am considering funding by obtaining a first mortgage on commercial property I already paid off. Um, that's really two totally separate questions. One is that there isn't a list for franchise lending companies and funding for women. Uh, we did mention that there is some funding that is available for women, but it's going to be more specific to your area, and that's something that you're going to want to do some pretty intensive searches and talk to some local lending sources to give you ideas on that. As far as considering funding by obtaining a first mortgage on commercial property that you already have paid off, that is a great way to do it. You're going to be able to use that as collateral. So that would certainly be something that you would want to consider. Yeah, and I would say on that funding question, just um, also you know, speak to one of us because we also have a number of contacts. Um, and if we find out a little bit more about your situation, we might be able to put you in touch with the right people. Okay. Uh, the next question that we have is, what happens when you're done? You're retiring, you're moving, whatever, you're decided that you we want to get bit, rid of the business. Can you sell it back or will it to heirs? And Lindsay, you want to cover that one? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, yes, you can do both. Uh, well, I say sell it back. You can't always sell it back. Um, some franchisors do have a corporate buyback policy. Um, I haven't seen it that often, but it's pretty common to resell um, your business to somebody else. Um, and there are, uh, I think it's pretty big business. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are wanting the um, security and the safety in their, their, their view of a franchise that don't want the ramp up time, and that can make your business very valuable. Um, you know, and it's certainly, if that's something that you're considering, I think, you know, coming to the questions you should ask the franchisor, that's a really good and important one. Um, and yes, typically you can, uh, you know, 
have it as part of your legacy and pass it on to your heirs. There, there may be, may be a transfer fee, but it's usually very nominal. Um, but that would be something that you could review in the FDD and ask the franchisor. But good question. Also, uh, this is probably specific to the franchisor, but um, whoever is going to purchase that has to be approved by the franchisor. Right. So yes. they still have to go through kind of that interview process with the franchisor, which obviously is a level of help for you. Um, and they may know of more people that are looking to buy than what you would know on your own. So you actually have a larger market than you would if you had an independent type business. Exactly. Um, we also had a question on how we get paid, and I apologize. I know that was on the slide that I talked about how we work with you, but I didn't mention that we don't charge for our coaching. So the way that we get paid is through the franchise community, but we work very similarly to an executive recruiter or in real estate a buyer's agent. We represent you, the client. We don't represent any specific franchises to um, try to sell those franchises. So hopefully that answers that question. Um, another question is, should I visit the franchisor? Um, do you I want can, to cover that? Yeah, I can respond to that. I, I think that's a personal question, uh, a personal decision. Um, most franchisors will offer that. Um, and uh, but not everybody will will decide that that's important. Some franchises will require you to visit with them, um, but certainly if you ask to, it would be pretty unusual if they didn't uh, want you to. I, I personally think it's a very valuable thing to do because you know you're looking across the table and shaking hands with the people who are you're going to be partners in the investment investment with effectively. But I don't know if you have a different perspective on the, on that, Marcy, but. Actually, I do a, a little bit. I agree with everything you said, but I think back about when I went through this process. I went through this process the same as you guys are. I, I mean, the same as any of our clients are. And, I, you know, I knew I wanted to have a business. I just didn't know what kind of business. So when I looked at three different business models, I actually went to visit two of them. And they were the two that I chose not to go forward with. And it really was the discovery day that helped me make that decision. So sitting across from the owner or seeing the people who would be supporting you can be hugely important in helping you make that final determination of whether that franchisor is a good fit for you. So I definitely recommend Discovery Day. Don't necessarily think you have to go to visit all of them. I just didn't know enough information at that time. It helped me to be able to go to the Discovery Days. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up. We're getting close to having you guys on here for an hour, and I'm sure that you're all tired and probably hungry for dinner. Um, we'd like to thank all of you for participating this evening. We are going to repeat the same webinar on Thursday, and because you guys have all registered, you will get, as Lindsay mentioned, a recording of tonight's session, so if you wanted to listen to anything. Um, another thing that we wanted to let you know about is in the month of July, we will not have a regularly scheduled webinar. We usually do these once a month. In July, we're going to forego that because the Entrepreneur Source, our corporate, is offering Start a Business Weekend. And that's going to be an event on July 26th to 28th, which is basically a virtual franchise expo. And it gives you an opportunity to 
online go visit many, many franchisers and ask questions. They'll have someone there, representatives there, who can answer your questions live, get you information that you want, and maybe introduce you to some models that you haven't heard of or haven't considered at that point. So we would encourage you to attend that event. You will be receiving an invitation. You will have to pre-register for that. There's no charge for the event. You'll have access to it for the 26th to the 28th. And once you're registered, you'll actually have access to that information for 60 days following. But you will not have live representatives there for those 60 days to answer your questions on site. Uh, we certainly appreciate your feedback. As you leave the session this evening, you should have a survey that comes up. And if you would take just a minute to fill out that survey, that will help us to make sure that we're improving our quality and um, making sure that we're answering the types of information that you want to hear. So thanks again, and please contact your coach and schedule that complimentary coaching session. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mossy.